Hi, I'm Andrea. And I'm Claudia. And we're the Digi Crime Girls. Hello and welcome. Hello and welcome to Wednesday. Yay. The Murder Corner <laughs> podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Yeah, and thanks for jumping on. And thank you so much for getting tickets to the live show April 1st. Bell Mansion hasn't already sold out. Hopefully you can grab tickets to the live show. Yeah. So that's what's going on in our world. Happy February, you all. Isn't this crazy January went by so fast? Yeah, along with all of our aspirations for the new year. You know what I have? I have something called time blocking. Uh-huh. Uh, that's different. So that's when my alarm goes off at 6 a.m. and it tells me to work out. And then I swipe the notification away. Away. <laughs> Perfect. That's my girl. <laughs> yep. It's time. We're going to jump right into yeah. facts and snacks. So grab your snacks. What you got? I found out, um, and this is from the website educatedfelon.com. Ohio DUI offenders must use yellow license plates. That is so awesome. I think. Every state should do that. It's genius. It, it is genius. And they should do the same for sex offenders. When I am driving on the road and I see you, at least I know you have a history of being erratic on the road. Right. And I need to better watch out for you. Well, that, you know, are you drunk now or not? Is Claudia drunk now? I'm always drunk. I wish. <laughs> I wish I was. I'm not. Maybe later. Yeah. I will. We talked about all these cocktails last time. Yeah. I'm going to dive in, hopefully, into one soon. Yeah, we still haven't picked our signature drink just yet, but we've narrowed it down to a few. Yeah, if you have a suggestion, feel free to hit us up. We get these voicemails on our website, and we absolutely love them. Yeah. But we always love to hear from you guys. So if you have a suggestion for a case or something, or if you really loved a case, run over and leave us a review. Yes, that is definitely one way you can help us out, help our little podcast. If you go to Apple Podcast and leave us a five-star review, that helps us be more visible, really. Thank you in advance. <laughs> <laughs> well, so do you think we should jump right into your case? Yeah. What are you bringing to the table today? Well, I am back in my home country, and I bring you another unsolved case. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about the horrific murder of 13-year-old Tristan Brubach. We all know that unsolved cases usually are a lot more frustrating. And at the end, we all have more questions than answers. At least I do, right? Mm-hmm. But by talking about these unsolved crimes, I feel like we are keeping these cases alive, if you will. So that's why I, I guess, like them so much. Yeah, that's true. And I know that a lot of, especially parents, yeah. loved ones, they will never stop talking right. or or believing or, you know, searching for that justice. So I can definitely see why we do it. It just it's so hard, it to, hard. to not hear 
you know, the the result that you're at least hoping for at the end. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is frustrating. But our podcast reached 85 countries last year. And I'm always in hopes that someone out there knows something. It's been 25 years since Tristan's murder with little to no answers. And I feel like I this sweet boy deserves justice. Please know that much of the information about this case is disturbing. Child murder, dismemberment, potential cannibalism show up in telling Tristan's story. And if any of this bothers you, we'll see you next week. Absolutely. Thank you. Tristan Brubach was born on October 3rd, 1984 in Frankfurt, Germany, in the suburb of Hoost, to Iris and Bernd and he was their only child. Frankfurt is huge. It's about the fifth largest city in Germany. Tristan was kind of a shy but very friendly kid, and he was known to be very street smart. He loved animals and would stop strangers who were out walking their dog just so he could pet the dog and strike up a conversation with the people. He also had a pet rabbit at home, which had his whole heart, and he spent most of his free time playing video games, as most kids do that age, I guess. How old was he? 13. 13. Video games were kind of a distraction from his life. He had it kind of rough growing up. And not only was he getting bullied and beat up in school, but his mother, his mom, had a drug problem and sadly, combined with mental health issues, led her to take her own life when Tristan was just 10 years old. Oh, my goodness. Iris and Burned were both retail workers, and with Iris gone, Burned had to pick up more hours at work to support Tristan. Mm-hmm. So Tristan's grandmother ended up moving in with them, providing additional financial and emotional support to the family. Yeah, Tristan developed a sense of independence earlier than many of his peers, and this independence led people to leap to all sorts of conclusions about his life when he was murdered. His classmates gave a lot of misinformation to the press, who, as we know, reported it as truth. They report the first thing they hear, yeah, linking Tristan to all sorts of criminal stuff. <gasps> what? For a boy who others accused of being a child prostitute or a drug dealer, Tristan's last day alive was actually relatively well observed by others. So they none of these things they said were valid? Mm-mm. That is awful. Yeah. All you have is your legacy at this point. Right. And it's such a short life. This whole story is so sad. <laughs> so March 26, 1998 was the last day of school before Easter break. Mm-hmm. Bernd Brubach left for work around 4.30 a.m., and Tristan was used to getting himself up and ready for school on his own. But this day, he called his dad at work around 8 a.m., asking if he could miss school and go to the doctor complaining of back pain. 
Now, Byrne told Tristan to go to school and that they would go to the doctor later if he still felt pain. Tristan met up with his friend Boris on the way to school, and the two decided to smoke a cigarette before class and, yeah, and ended up arriving to school late, probably close to second period around 9 a.m. Now, teachers verified that Tristan was at school until 1.30 p.m. After lunch, he told his teacher that his back hurt badly and he wanted to go to the doctor. He told her that he fell from a tree, but really it was from a rock fight he had with friends the day before. So apparently they throw rocks at each other. Okay, this kid is not sounding like the straight A, I'm straight laced A student. Yeah, I mean, he was 13, you know, probably the day before Easter break. Why am I here? Right. You know, I'm not missing anything and I'm probably not learning anything. I don't know. He just wanted to stay home. Right. My back hurts. Yes. Well, strangely, the teacher agreed and dismissed Tristan (gasps) for the day. She's like, sure. Okay, you can you can go to the doctor. So Tristan was next seen on the train returning to the Hooks train station. A friend saw him sitting at the back of the train, as he always did. And from 2 to 2.20 p.m., Tristan's friend Boris, the same kid he smoked a cigarette with earlier, saw him on the train and tried to get Tristan's attention but wasn't able to. So their trains were passing each other. Okay. And he was trying to get his attention. A third student who was on his way home also saw Tristan between 2.15 and 2.25 p.m. That student said Tristan was sitting on the bench at the Hoogst train station. The last time Tristan was seen alive was around 3.20 p.m., still sitting on the bench, a woman who was walking her dog interacted with Tristan. He was a friendly kid, like I mentioned earlier, and he got up and walked over to her, asked her questions about her dog as he pet the dog. When the woman walked away, she noted Tristan was sitting on the bench next to two men, Mm. and she said they appeared foreign to her. Tristan also made brief appearances on CCTV cameras as he went to different shops and locations at the train station. And none of these images really showed anything of significance, but added credibility to the ones who said they saw Tristan alive and moving about the station. So around 3.30 p.m., Three students who wanted to take a bus to a sports field decided to use the Lederbach water tunnel as a shortcut. So the Lederbach tunnel was a 130-meter walk-through water tunnel that ran under the Hoogs train station. And this tunnel had often been used as a shortcut for kids who whose school was at the north end of the station. 
This tunnel sounds like the scariest place in the world to me. It It is super duper creepy. Does this tunnel still exist? Do kids still go whenever they want and they go through tunnels? So that is the tunnel and it has like a little stream of water going through there. Okay. Wow. So it, it was, even though it was, you know, about 3.30, it was dark and a daunting shortcut for children and many kids used the tunnel only when in groups. When the three students entered the tunnel, they saw a man leaning over a concrete riser on the side of the tunnel. They couldn't tell what he was doing because it was so dark, but they were pretty creeped out that they decided not to continue to walk through the tunnel and take the long way around it. Well, good for them. And I'm pretty sure that these three kids saw Tristan's murder without realizing what they were witnessing. Oh. Later, the three kids gave a description of the man they saw or what they saw of that man that was turned into, and it was turned into a suspect drawing. Okay. And don't worry, guys, I will post pictures of everything. So at 5.08 p.m., the police received a call that a body was found in the tunnel. Two children who attended a nearby school or kind of like an after-school daycare were playing when they entered the tunnel and found Tristan's body at around 4 o'clock. So they ran back to their school and told a teacher what they found, that there is a dead body in the tunnel. And I don't know if it took them a while to convince her, but I think she actually, she didn't believe them, had to go to the tunnel to look for herself and then go back and call the police. And that's why there is an hour from when the kids saw or told her to the time she called the police. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, why was there a whole hour in between? But I think she went over there because she didn't believe them and then went back. Oh, so she had to see it for herself. Yeah, she was probably just like, you guys are liars. And they're like, no, 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 we're not. I think that's who she went to see for herself. Oh, how awful. When the police arrived to search the tunnel, they found Tristan's mutilated body. The investigators who saw Tristan's body never recovered from that. They said they had never before seen the sorts of injuries inflicted on Tristan. His throat had been cut so deep he was nearly decapitated. His testicles were removed from a scrotum by performing a professional cut along the pubic bone and a part of his thigh and buttocks were cut away. Instead of leaving the scene, After the murder, the perpetrator placed the body on the concrete base inside the tunnel. He pulled the jacket over Tristan's head so that his face was covered. He also pulled Tristan's pants back up and placed the shoes on his hips and thighs to hide the cuts. And nobody knows what what the intention was here. He then emptied Tristan's book bag and left a fingerprint in Tristan's blood on one of his school books. 
And it is uh, believed that he transported the extracted body parts in the school bag. Oh, my God. But this could not be proven, really, without a doubt. But it is believed that's why he took it. Yeah. The offender probably needed about 15 to 20 minutes for the whole procedure. Isn't that crazy? Such a short time. So that all happened in approximately 20 minutes? 15 to 20 minutes. Wow. And was there a struggle? Did he like... It didn't look like it. So this is kind of weird. So Tristan's backpack was found in a forested area near Niederhausen almost exactly a year later in March of 1999. And Niederhausen is maybe about 20, 25 miles from where he lived. Inside the pack, the backpack, was a Czech language map of Germany. So it was a map of Germany, but in Czech. Okay. Which, weird. That's very weird. So the three teens who may have witnessed the murder gave the following description of the man they saw. About five foot eight, long hair, worn in a braid under a cap, and notably seemed to have a scar on the lip, possibly maybe from a cleft. That's awesome. So this information was given to a police artist, like I said, and he came up with a sketch. Profilers said that Tristan's killer was a man likely between the ages of 25 to 35, with no close friends or family, and was a pedophile. So the fingerprint is the most important trace in this case, right? You think you have a fingerprint. It had to be digitally processed so that it could be used for comparison. A comparative database search with fingerprints from over 70 countries. No results. None. None whatsoever. That's impossible. None. From 70 countries. In 2002, a mass screening was carried out, which was previously unheard of in Germany. More than 14,000 men from different parts of Frankfurt took part voluntarily. And then there were the 54 objectors who refused to give their fingerprints and over 800 men who had moved away from the area after the murder were also checked. But unfortunately, no success. None. That How could that be? I have no idea. After a while, the case went cold. No arrests were made. No real leads led to a viable suspect. So in 2013, the police began to revisit the case. A new profile was made of the murderer, and I don't think it was much different from the first one, really. The profiler said that the killer was a man between 25 and 35 years of age, was antisocial, was socially withdrawn, with no family or intimate partners, and lived close to the Frankfurt train station. In December that year, a documentary about the case aired and 300 tips were called into the police. And nobody knows if the tips were useful at all. I don't know. But the real importance of this documentary is that it was actually instrumental in changing how the police looked at the case. 
Tristan's father, Bernd, managed to counter some of the theories that people had about Tristan when he appealed directly to the German public. He said that Tristan had not become involved in drugs, nor did he hang around drug addicts and dealers or dealers. After his mother Iris died, Bernd and Tristan lived with Tristan's grandmother, and the boy was not alone all day and night, left to roam wild with no supervision. He was just a typical boy, one who may not have wanted to go to school on the last day before his Easter break, who may have been using you know, just a bruise from a rock uh, fight as a pretense to stay home. Once police dismissed the notion that Tristan was a wild child who somehow courted danger, they began to rethink their notion of who the murderer might be. So this whole time, including the police, thought he brought it on himself. Please tell me that after this happened... The school stopped letting kids go in this tunnel. Uh, it was eventually locked up. Okay, there good. are locks on on each side of the entrances. Now, oh. so the police began to believe that the injuries Tristan received were significant to the killer and not the result of a killer reacting to something Tristan had done. That is what they thought the whole time. But even if he did still solve his murder, whether it was his fault or not, I mean, it's not anybody's fault ever to get murdered. Right. But but I think it would change the profile of who you're looking for. Yes, exactly. By a lot. For sure. Because the original profile to the 2013 profile didn't really change a whole lot, except they said he was antisocial. It was still the same profile. At least I thought so. I guess I would be interviewing a very different crowd Yeah, in those circumstances. Right. You would think. So unfortunately, Bernd Brubach, Tristan's father, died in December 2014, never seeing justice done for his son. Oh. It was said he died a broken man. Oh, that is so sad. Yeah. Okay, so I want to tell you just the, here are a couple of weird things that happened. So after Tristan's funeral, the police received a call from a man claiming to be Tristan's murderer. And I'm going to play you the short recording, and then I will tell you what was said. I mean, it's super short. Okay. Okay. Okay, that was all in German. Yes. 
<laughs> yes. You didn't so, warn me. I am so sorry. And it's kind of a bad recording anyway. But to me, the caller sounded drunk. Definitely drunk. That's what he sounded like. And here is what he said. The police answers the phone with a simple police. This is Tristan's killer. Excuse me? Tristan's killer is here. You are? Yes. And you want to turn yourself in or what? Yes. Where are you? Frankfurt Hoekst. Where? Frankfurt Hoekst. Hoekst train station. Train station? Yes. I killed him. You killed him? Yes. What do you look like? How tall are you? Six foot tall. Hair color? Black. Black hair. Long or short? Long. And that was it. So he was going to give himself up. He was going to turn himself in. Mm -hmm. And of course, the caller was gone by the time the police arrived, if he ever was at the train station to begin with, which I don't think he was. But that's just my personal opinion. But the strangeness or weirdness didn't stop after Tristan was buried. A year and a half after Tristan's murder, a still unidentified person went to Tristan's grave. And this person carefully, it's so strange, so weird. This person carefully digs out the flowers on the grave and lays them down next to the grave. Then he unfolds a plastic tarp on which he puts the excavated dirt, like nice and mm -hmm. neat, next to it. Okay. So he digs about maybe 1.3 yards down and not reaching the coffin so he can't open it. And it seems very likely that he was disturbed and ran away. It's one possible theory of the police that it might have been Tristan's murderer to come back for him. I don't know. Under German law, graves and public cemeteries are maintained by the state for a certain period of time, which was 20 years in the state of Hessen, where Tristan lived. After 20 years, which the deceased person's family must pay to kind of lease the gravesite if they wish to keep their loved one's you know, in there. Mm -hmm. And if the family does not pay, the headstone is removed and the grave is reused for a new deceased person. Burnt had died already at that time, and no other relatives could afford to pay the fees to keep Tristan's grave in place. So a public initiative was launched to fund a memorial stone, and in March 2018, after Tristan's grave was reused, a memorial stone was erected under a tree within sight of his grave, or his former grave. So they put a memorial stone there for him. That is terrifying to think that his killer was trying to get him even in death. Yeah, and, and that's just me thinking, and maybe uh, the police thinks it is, but nobody knows for sure. But what they do know is they're pretty sure that he was disturbed and fled. Like somebody, I, I don't know, in the middle of the night came to the cemetery, whatever. Yeah. So the Frankfurt 
prosecutor's office is offering 15,000 euros for any information leading to conviction of Tristan's murderer, and a private individual has added another 5,000 euros to this, making the total reward 20,000 euros. If you have any information about Tristan's murder, please call the Homicide Division in Frankfurt, 49069-755-53111, or you can provide information on the German Federal Criminal Online at B as in boy, K-A dot D-E. Wow, that's insane. Yeah. That is awful. And I guess just a totally different society, different culture. You probably know more about about that area. I mean, when you went to school there, did they like just did let you leave like without your parents and permission? I don't remember ever leaving school. I don't think so. Now, I would skip last period or whatever and leave, but not telling my teacher, I got to go to the doctor and him being like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Go ahead. No. So this situation probably was not typical? I don't think so. Okay. And were you familiar with these tunnels when you Um, were there? Well, so there are some of those tunnels. I don't ever remember going through one. No, Frankfurt is more in the middle of Germany and about maybe six, six and a half hours away from me. So it's a little ways. But we do have some of those tunnels, too, that people would use as a shortcut. When I read this, it it wasn't a, a surprise to me. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, yeah, hell yeah, shortcuts. They're the creepiest back home. (laughs) And now we know why. Yeah. Well, I definitely hope that this case gets solved. And you guys, if there is an update that we see, we will definitely let you guys know. Yeah. And. Well, this guy could now be. When they, if they say 25 to 35, so, you know, 50 to 65 years old now. And the reason they never got a hit on anything is because he apparently has never committed a crime before. So they don't have his fingerprints. Well, I'm sure he has committed a crime before. Or hasn't gotten caught, I should say. Yeah, I mean, were these cuts, was this planned is what I'm asking? Like, was this a premeditated, like, are these clean cuts? Is he very precise? Even removing the testicles from the scrotum, it said it was done with a precise professional cut right above his pubic bone. So then this is someone that has done it before. I So they looked and compared with all these countries to see if they had anything similar mm-hmm. like that and specifically involving a young boy, mm-hmm. a teenager. Now, it has happened, but it happened to women uh, where they cut the breast off or, you know, but not like this. 
nowhere ever. Yeah, I've never heard in no a country case like this. This is just awful, insane. I hope one of these days this guy will do something and gets caught. Do you think he stopped? If he hasn't, he is not killing the same way because then they would have a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Well, something to string them together. Yeah. So wow. there's nothing, none. I hope I get to see this one solved. Me too. That is so sad and sad to know his father passed away without seeing that justice. So yeah. I hope that we get to see that for him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, gosh. What a sweet baby angel. Yeah. yeah I think his dad passed away as said 2014. So it was so 16 years after Tristan's murder. So because this happened in 98. Yeah. Wow, Claudia. That's terrible. I hope that they find this guy. Me too. Me and too. his ponytail so we can like whip him around with it. I'm just envisioning. Never mind. Yeah. Had that. And I'm thinking a year and a half after. Uh, I know this was right after Tristan's funeral. So in 1998 that they. I don't I couldn't find any information if the police traced the call to the train station or where was he really there? There's CCTV cameras everywhere around that train station. I can't find anything on it. And that drives me nuts. (laughs) This is Claudia and I. This is what we do. We're like, but why? Why? Where is it at? What happened? So... Yeah, I hope I hope they catch him. Me too. In my lifetime. Yeah, we hope to see that day and we hope to share that news with you. Yes. Soon. Yes. Well, good job, Claudia. Thank, Thank you. you for listening. And um we hope you stay sassy, stay judgy, and stay tuned in with the Judgy Crime Girls every Wednesday and we'll see you later. Okay? Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.